This evening is being sponsored in Rafua Shalema for Rabbi Melvin Berg, Rav Moshe Yitzchak Ben Nela Perel, the rabbi of Pre Eitz Chaim, Ocean Avenue Jewish Center. It's so touching that Rabbi Stephen and Rachel Berg, along with many other families, gave a donation to Why You Connects really to help sponsor it in healing of Rabbi Berg. We're uh, hoping you get better. And we just wanted to call upon Rabbi Mordechai Willig, who happens to know Rabbi Berg, if he would just begin the evening with a parak of Tehillim for the Rafa Shalema. Tehillim parak Kufchof Aleph. Yilamalos esoinayel heharim meayin yavo ezri. Ezri meim Adonai Osei Shomayim Vohoret Al Yitain Lamot Raglecho Al Yonum Shomrecho Hine Lo Yonum Lo Yishon Shomer Yisrael Adonai Shomrecho Adonai tzilecho al yad yiminecho yomom ha-shemesh lo yakeko liyoreach pa'aloi lo Adonai yishmocho mikol ro yishmor es nafshecho Adonai yishmor seizcho vorecho meyatov yad olom Thank you. Thank you, Rawali. So we have new families who joined this particular evening. So I just wanted to say in one sentence a little bit about what Why You Connects does before we start posing the first questions. Why You Connects is a program that helps singles meet through various forums. We do matchmaking, we do educational forums like we're doing right now. And actually we do events, social events, Zoom events during Corona. But actually just tonight we... We are launching a podcast called Candidate, where Rabbi Ismach and Rabbi Rothwex are interviewing relationship building experts. So that should be on our website tonight and on any uh, podcast site that you could look at. It's called Candidate. And again, I wanted to thank the Why Connect staff and all the volunteers who are on together with us during this program. Thankfully, through the advertisement of this program, we were able to get dozens of questions to pose to our three special panelists. I just want to start off by saying that we're not going to unfortunately get to all of them because I'm even getting them right now as we are entering the program. We're going to try to answer as many questions as we can. And then thanks to all of you, we have questions for future panels, Mirza Okay, so first I want to just thank Rabbi Willig as one of our most chashev panelists, we're so honored to have him. Rabbi Willig, everyone knows, is one of the Rosh Yeshiva at YU, one of the Rosh Kolal. He's the Rav of Young Israel Riverdale. And to us, he's on speed dial on every Sabolovsky phone. We're very close with him. And I just want to say, especially as I pose some of the questions to Rabbi Willig, he has helped us with the Shaduchim of our own children, where we've gone to him for Eitzah on several issues, just to make sure that we're in line and we're, you know, being good parents in every one of our Shadduchim. We have Mindy Eisman, who's the staff connector at YU Connects. She's made over 50 Shadduchim Baruch Hashem. She has a master's in education. She also has a master's in social work, and she's a very well-known dating coach, and she does Shalom workshops, and she's a very prominent Kala teacher. And to me, with all of that, she's a very, very, very dear friend. 
and Dr. Rabbitson Miriam Adler. She is the executive director of Park Avenue Psychotherapy Associates in Clifton, New Jersey, where she supervises a team of therapists. She's also married to one of our Rosh Yeshiva, Rabbi Elchanan Adler, and has a beautiful family. And her her specialties range the gamut from marriage, relationship, trauma, attachment wounds, anxiety, OCD, and definitely she helps a lot of singles. So we were so excited to have her join this wonderful panel. So the way it's going to work is I'm going to ask some of the questions that you all, these are only questions that all of you have submitted, and I'm going to address them to a certain panelist, and then if another panelist has something to add, we'll quickly go to that before we go to the next question. So I'm going to start with Mindy, if it's okay, Mindy. What is the best way for me to network on behalf of my child and if Rabbi Willig wants to add after two, is it even my responsibility to do so? So maybe, Mindy, first you could just address that. Is what's the best way to network on behalf of a, you know, a dating child? Scott, firstly, I want to just thank you for allowing me to be on this panel and especially to be on this panel with uh, both Rav Willig and uh, Dr. Miriam Adler. I'm, I'm really honored. Um, no one is a better, better advocate than a parent. Um, we at YU Connects appreciate when the data reaches out themselves. Um, however, every parent throughout the week uh, talks to different people, friends, relatives, colleagues, and they talk about a lot of different topics. And it's very easy to weave into the conversation that your child happens to be starting to date or your child is dating, mention their strengths, mention what they're looking for. Everyone knows someone. Everyone has a nephew, a cousin, uh, any kind of relative, a neighbor. You never know. Sometimes also people bring up, oh, what about this person? And you realize it's not for your child. Maybe it's for your friend's child. Rashi teaches us that when someone davens for someone else and is is in need of the same thing, Hashem always answers him first. So therefore, don't just think about your child when you're talking to your friends and relatives. Think of all the other people that you know as well that are single. But most important, if you're going to do this, make sure your child is aware of this. Too often I'll get a call from a very irate dater that I can't believe my, I found out my grandmother called you or my aunt called you, it's none of their business. So really, while so many people are happy that people are advocating for them, please first make sure it's okay with them and respect their privacy. I think that the question depends upon what community to, uh, you belong to. Is, is it even my responsibility? And in more traditional family settings, it's absolutely the responsibility of the parent to make sure that the child is properly married. Uh, the Gemara seems to say that, uh, specifically in the case of a daughter. Uh, there are certain responsibilities that a, a parent, particularly a father, brings to bear, including financial ones. Uh, these are found <laughs> in Talmudic sources and codified in the Shulchan Aruch. Of course, it all depends, as everything else depends, on the Minnick Medina. 
or the custom in your particular part of the world, your particular part of society. It's not surely ge- geographically based. There can be peop- different people who live in the same community, some of whom have one way of thinking and others have another. Uh, just take, for example, I'm not picking this community out of hat, but I see that at least one person on the screen comes from there. We'll call it the Five Towns. It's a, it's a large Jewish community. And within the five towns, there are different sub-communities. There are the people who feel strongly that, yes, we go back to the tradition that the parents are in charge of the shuduchim of their children, and they have to, 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 to network and to talk and to do and to speak it up and all that stuff. Others say, no, we weren't brought up that way. When I was that age, my parents didn't fend for me. I, we fended for ourselves. And no, we did just fine. We like we prefer that kind of a uh, situation. Either way is okay. What's not okay is when people fall between the cracks, which means that the uh, child is in a more, we'll call, yeshivish milieu in which the parents are very, very active. But the parents themselves grew up and they met their Basharat and Kemar Roshan or something like that. And they never had any of this kind of stuff. So they're not equipped or they're not interested or they don't even know how to do these things. And then the poor young man or lady gets stuck in the middle of all this. Hence, why you connect to the rescue? Because this is what uh, saves many uh, an individual from this uh, falling between the cracks. That's what I think about this question. Okay, great. Okay, thank you. Dr. Adler, in general, now we're moving along from advocating to your child further along. How involved do you feel as a parent and a therapist to be discussing the relationship with the dating child that you have? Are there any do's and don'ts in your mind? What, what boundaries would you set for people in terms of talking about the relationship with the dater? So as with most things that you're going to ask a psychologist, there right. isn't really one size fits all answer. And as we will have said about Chidochem in the first place, there's no one size fit all answer. Our children vary in temperaments and they vary in their circumstances. And as we all know, in the same family, we can have introverts and we can have extroverts. We have the soft spoken kid and we have the passionate ones that say everything they feel. And we have private souls and we have kids that scream everything from the rooftops at all ages. And we have more confident, we have less so. So there's going to be a natural variation, even in the same family, in how much we are invited into their relationships and into that journey. What is important across the board is that we do our best to be attuned to our children's cues and to their personality style, and that we develop what I would call a collaborative approach. And that's an approach that conveys that we do believe in their ability to successfully build a healthy and satisfying relationship. We're not infantilizing them, but we're here to facilitate it and to help. So as a general rule, we would want to open up a discussion before they start Shadokim and often along the way as well, in terms of what are the values, what are the traits that they're looking for, what are their life plans, what do they find themselves attracted to in terms of people and personality styles. Those questions are important for us and they're important as we network and do the things that, you know, Mindy tells us to do and she's right. They're also important for our children 
because something about articulating it out loud, like talking to your parent and others about it, it puts it kind of like in the front of your brain and your prefrontal cortex instead of all the way in the back of your brain. And I think it helps them articulate. And it also reminds them of, oh, what am I looking for, right? It's not just like the coolness factor or the this or the that. There's, there's other things I'm looking for. So it's an important part of the process. And if they have no idea, then you can help them think about that as they date. We also want to ask open-ended questions. Again, this is assuming that we have a good relationship with our children. Um, we want to validate their feelings. And we can certainly gently offer insights, suggestions. You might want to get a little more information about that. It sounds like you're unsure about this. We can offer wisdom and coaching. But it needs to be in a way that seems to match the level of feedback they want, that doesn't feel overbearing. The very big no-nos, I would say, are kind of being at like either end of the parental spectrum. So we have parents who probably mean well. I think we all try our best, but are kind of like out to lunch or, you know, just lost in action, like assuming that their kids want a lot of space when their kids actually feel kind of rudderless and want help, um, or just kind of so wrapped up in their own stresses that they don't realize that their kids are looking in to talk to them and want help. And then you have the other end. Uh, what we colloquially call like kind of over or helicopter parents where they're trying to over control the relationships, micromanaging, need to know every detail. Oh, then what did he say? What did you say? What was your facial expression? What did they say their parents did when they were in third grade on this and this date? Like just kind of you get a headache. <laughs> if we do that, our children will run away from us. They actually just will literally not be home when we're home or not happen to answer our phone calls <laughs> or they will give in and give us all that information but they, they will not be able to own their own feelings and they won't really feel good about their relationship. If we're unsure whether we're doing a good job, um, honestly, I always say, just ask your kids. Say, hey, I'm kind of new about, you know, to this or you're a little different than your brother when he was at this stage. How am I doing? Am I doing a little too much and being annoying? Am I doing too little, less than your friends? And that honestly is a very good skill to model for your children because it's a great communication skill in a relationship. Just ask, how am I doing here? Mm -hmm. um, as far as I think part of the question also was, uh, are there things that good parents do sometimes by mistake that kind of can derail a relationship or you wanna be aware of not to do? There's a million things. Um, but I think uh, a couple of very common things I see are just quickly like micromanaging um, trying to over control what your child says on a date. Oh, don't say this. Oh, make sure you say that. Like as they're going out the door, which makes them feel like they can't be their authentic self. Uh, like there would be something wrong with just being me. Um, I don't mean for big things that they should know, like, you know, on their first date or remember this, but as a rule, we don't want to be over controlling. Um, two, sometimes parents mean well, but they just blow something out of proportion. Like they say one thing their child says or one thing on the resume or a friend of a friend of a friend said this and all of a sudden, oh my gosh, you're going to marry an axe murderer. So we want to try to keep our, <laughs> keep our own thoughts in check and check our facts. Um, and then also another thing I see is when Baruch Hashem relationships are going well, there's a natural progression where children start to share less private information about their partner. Um, and sometimes parents start to think, oh my gosh, they're cutting me out or something, you know, they feel insulted, they're withdrawing, try to remember that it's probably good. If your child seems happy, they're probably forming their little bubble and they're getting exclusive and they're sharing vulnerabilities with each other and they're building trust. And just like we don't want our husband or our wife to share every detail about our private lives to their mothers, even if we love them. And I do love my mother-in-law, 
But, you know, that's part of building a relationship is you start to keep things between each other. As long as your child seems happy and well-adjusted and is glowing, assume that it's good when they start to get into that bubble thing. It's good. That's great. But what questions do you, did you or Rebus and Will feel were important, necessary before your children went out? Whether it was about who they were dating or whether it was about the family, because we're finding sometimes we ask too many questions and people are asking too many invasive questions. So if you were able to give us a little bit of like guidelines of this is what you need to know and maybe that's enough before your child goes out with someone. That's an excellent question. And uh, as was said by previous uh, speakers, every child is different. Every situation is different. No two children are the same, even in the same family. Uh, I would say that on the spectrum, on the scale, we were not from the micromanagers at all. We went, went in the other direction, not to be uh, seen as micromanaging. And... Um, you know, we, we weren't disinterested parents. We were very interested and very involved, but not micromanage. And we um, we try to be supportive appropriately, but not overbearing and not check, 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 check a million things. Um, you know, for better or worse, that's, that's how we conducted ourselves at the time. Um, we... No, again, uh, no two situations were identical. Uh, it, it largely depends on, you know, how the relationship begins. Uh, how did it start? Who was the one who suggested the, the 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 individual in the first place? In our family, uh, in the majority of the cases, the person who suggested the partner was a First degree relative on one side or the other. That's somewhat of a comfort level. I have to say that our, our, the last uh, wedding that we made was thanks to none other than Dr. Frasabolovsky, who, uh, who <laughs> facilitated it. We're eternally grateful. Uh, I knew the family from before. And when my son came out with the name, I said, Oh, that family. Ooh, I know that I, I knew that family. They were very. Uh, very respectful of the of the local rabbanim, and I said that's a good family, and uh, the rest is history. Um, uh, the truth is, the um, we had a number of other uh, situations where the where the suggestion did not come from a first degree relative, but those families we also knew, we also knew from different situations. So when we knew the families, we felt much more comfortable. Right. Okay. Okay, great. Okay, number four. Okay, Mindy. My child has been dating for a number of months. Is there a suggested time for how long you think someone should date before they get engaged? Right, great question. So we need to remember that every relationship is a new creation. So no two relationships are going to be exactly the same. So there can't possibly be an exact number for every single relationship. Um, a relationship needs to develop. Uh, you need to have a comfort with each other. The definition of a relationship is also experiencing conflict and seeing how the other person deals with it, how you work things through. 
Um, I'm actually a very big fan of spending Shabbos together. In the modern Orthodox world, it is very common because you get to see the other person's family dynamic. Um, in terms of how long or how short, it happens to be one of the nice things about having a matchmaker as a go-between because they make sure that the relationship develops at a healthy pace um, and that nothing gets dragged out. Sometimes I'll get a call when no one is in the middle. I don't know. My son doesn't know what's doing. It's taking a long time. Everyone starts to have a little bit of a panic. So if there's someone that's in the middle, that's a go-between, that's making sure there isn't miscommunication, it is very helpful. In terms of timing, do you have any, like how long they should date? What's the minimum? Remember? Um, you know, we don't like to put a number on it. Average is, let's say many people are between three to six months, average. But there are, of course, some people who will tell you, oh, they successfully dated shorter. And again, it depends on the community that they're in. I'm talking about mostly in the modern Orthodox, you know, community. Dr. Ather, let's say your, your dating child asks you, should I marry him or her? Are there, of course, we don't want to make those decisions for them. Are there any specific things that, you know, concerning you about the child, the person you're dating or the family? When is there reason to dissuade them or how would you encourage them or discourage them? Is that even a rule for a parent? Well, I think we're parents forever. We love our kids and we want to see them do good, do well, have a wonderful life. So it's probably impossible in a healthy family where we care deeply for each other um, to hold back completely. And we probably shouldn't. <laughs> I, I once actually had a client um, in terms of whether we should tell our children to get married or not. If they ask us, I once had a client going through a very difficult uh, period in her marriage. And she did come in one day, I think like right after an argument with her husband, and she reported that she had actually asked her husband, like in a fit of craziness, um, why did you get married to me in the first place? <laughs> so the poor man actually said, because my mother told me to. <laughs> and he was a very unassertive type. And his mother was a very intimidating type. So she really didn't know whether he was scared of his mother. And that's why he proposed. Um, so it wasn't good. That didn't go over well. And then they needed a lot of repairing in that relationship. But, um, you know, seriously, if our child asks us directly whether to get married, I think we do owe it to them to give guidance. But again, it has to be the type of guidance that matches what they really need for us. Sometimes everything points towards a strong relationship. Our kids are clearly glowing. We heard wonderful things about the person and their family. And when they ask like, mommy, daddy, ima, abba, like, should I go ahead with this? They're really just looking for a bracha. They just want to hear us say, she's a wonderful kala. He's a wonderful chassan. Go for it, <laughs> you know? And that's what they need. Other times it's evident that things have been deteriorating. Our kids are not looking very happy. There have been red flags that have been coming up and they want our blessing to end it. They don't want to disappoint us. Uh, they don't, they invested a lot of time in it or we really like the family and they want us to hear it's okay. <laughs> it doesn't look like it's good. I think you should end it. Okay. We have to know our children to know if that's what they're looking for. Okay. So if they, if it's an obvious decision, and they just need our bracha, give it to them. It gives them chizok. Okay. On the other hand, if our child is clearly torn, so our job then is to gently you know, guide them towards clarity. We should not try to make a decision for them. That can lead to a lot of resentment down the road in either way. <laughs> okay. We can help our child gain clarity by asking them to articulate like the strengths and weaknesses of the relationship. We can even help them write it down. 
we can help them pinpoint like what are the question marks over their head? What questions do they have about themselves and their feelings about the other person and their values about how they communicate? What needs to be answered in order for them to feel more strongly a yes or a no? And we can help them brainstorm how to move the relationship along in a way that will give you those answers. And we can also voice our observations. I think we can say, I, I don't know for sure what you should do, but you do seem nurtured. You do seem to be more upbeat since you've met him. Or the opposite. I don't know for sure, but I kind of do notice you seem a lot more insecure or a lot more muted or a lot more this or a lot more that. Um, but we should definitely be careful not to be overbearing. So with respect to a shidduch that we definitely do not approve of, there are real red flags. Again, at this age, we don't have what we call control over our children, like if only, but we don't. We have what we call in, in psychological worlds, we have influence. Okay, If in general, we have a track record of thoughtful parenting and a trusting relationship, and the advice that we generally give our children is about them, and they know that, they know it's not about our status and about our agenda, then they do care about our impressions. They care deeply, okay? and it has a lot of weight in their eyes. So if we see red flags, I think that um, without name calling and without judgment, we should uh, explain what we observe. So for example, if we're afraid that our child's partner is controlling, um, we shouldn't say she's a controlling mess. <laughs> we can say we notice that it seems like you defer to Shani like a lot more than a lot of people do. Um, and you kind of seem flat, you seem kind of muted together. Um, and we don't really see the personality we used to see. You know, Ava and I, like, we both feel very heard by each other. And that's something we really value. And we were hoping that you would have that in a relationship. It feels very good. We just kind of want you to think about that, you know, because we're concerned. When you say something like that, your child might not be thrilled, but they see that you are thinking about them. You don't just have a bad feeling about their partner. And they'll take it to heart and then give them space. Think about it. We can also encourage our kids to slow down. Just, you know, date a little longer, have a more, more situations. Sometimes things become apparent to a child when the infatuation stage passes and we can encourage them to talk to others that they trust. Okay, great. Hey, Fred, if I could just add, um, it's so important that a parent also is careful not to ruin their relationship with their child. And therefore, if they feel that their child is in over their head and they're concerned how their child might react, if they mention this, they should look towards the wonderful mental health professionals like Dr. Adler that are in our community. Um, there are so many people you can say to your child, you know, I think that this is very difficult for you and we should see a professional because a professional will help us so much better than, you know, I'm a no gay abedavar. It's, it's hard for me to see you going through this. Let's get a professional opinion. And this way, if the relationship has to end, Sometimes hearing it or coming to that conclusion from a mental health professional doesn't make the child have any kind of anger towards the parent. Right. So true. So true. Thank you. Okay, Rabbi Will, must our children be financially independent before they date? What if we don't approve or like the proposed profession of either our daughter or son or the person they're dating because it won't allow them to live comfortably as we would have hoped for. And if we do end up helping support 
can we offer specific advice or are we not entitled to? Three separate questions. The first has a very easy answer. Children be financially independent before their date? Absolutely not. In today's world, you know, even people who have professional careers may not be independent until they turn 30 years old after all their training and their school and their this and their that. They're not going to wait that long till they, till they start to date. That's absurd. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a flat no to that question. You'll ask, so what will happen? So what will happen will happen. There are many ways to skin the cat. But uh, not to wait until you're independent before your date. So I think that's a that's just the answer is no. Now, if we help support, can we offer specific advice? Or, uh, or we are I think the answer to that question is also no. Uh, people who try to control their children with the purse strings, I think, are making a mistake. I think they're making a mistake. The fact that the parents are supporting the children is very nice. I think it's a wonderful thing when it's possible to be done. But I don't think that the parents should be giving advice unsolicited to their children because, you know, the children establish their own new relationship. And they're the new unit and have to make their own decisions, make their own mistakes. Parents should think we also made mistakes when we were younger. Mistakes, mistake is not... Uh, the worst thing in the world, people that do make mistakes. Frankly, in my situation, I'm, I'm so careful about this. Even if they do ask me for my advice, I don't always give it. Because, you know, I give advice to, oh, I give advice every day of the week to, to who knows how many people, because they're calling me, they're not my children. So, you know, I get calls all the time, this, yes, them. But your own children, you're afraid that the when I give advice, they ignore my advice. So they ignore my advice. It doesn't, fine. But your own child asks you, and uh, they're not going to want necessarily want to ignore your advice, and maybe they don't agree with your advice. So why are they asking? Because they want to ask. So it, it, you have to pull teeth sometimes to get advice out of me from my own children. I, do have to, I try to go other direction, whether or not they're being supported uh, by us or not. And uh, a profession? Come on. A person who's going to a profession that he or she wants to go into, uh, this is uh, the uh, old my son, the doctor kind of a syndrome where you tell your kid what to do. That's terrible. Children should be allowed to make their own decisions. If they, you know, <laughs> they won't be as comfortable as we'd like. Come on. Uh, it's more, they have to be as comfortable as they like, not as we like. Unless you're afraid it's going to come out of your pocketbook. Well, what's money for if not for, to give to the children? Well, what would we build a bank account? Well, what, what, people have money. If a coach gives them money, so they're able to help their children. That's a wonderful, wonderful thing. If you have that attitude, then in almost all situations, these questions will be resolved properly. Thank you. Okay, Mindy, I'm going to call on you next. Okay, so we're making this a timely question. COVID dating has been very difficult for my child. Safe dating activity locations have been difficult to find, and now they're very cold, freezing, and uncomfortable. Should my child take a break from dating? Do you have any recommendations? And we're, the conversation in this particular forum is definitely being COVID cautious. So using that mindset, thank God everybody will answer all of our Shilas with Dr. Glatt having to do with dating, relationships, COVID. So we're, we're using the cautious uh, mindset in answering the question. 
right? So we're actually a fraud in those parshiot. Right, because of the righteous women and their foresight as to what's important, um, the Jewish family, the Jewish home, um, hope, the future, um, we were redeemed from Mitzrayim. So too, even though it is a very difficult time for many people, uh, we do not recommend not dating at this time. And Baruch Hashem, we have seen many engagements and a lot of people are dating. However, it's also very important to do this under consultation of your Rav and your doctor. Uh, we have also compiled uh, at YU Connects and many others as well, uh, safe dating activity locations, especially now because it's the winter and it's cold out. Uh, some people actually recommend that at the very beginning of a relationship, when you're not in each other's bubble, it might even be a good idea instead of um, the man picking up the woman, but to go in separate cars to the specific location so that you're going to meet, so that you can stay a social distance, the six feet apart. So I think the most important point when it comes to dating during this time period of COVID is to be kind, to really go that extra mile, that extra mensch factor and recognize someone may have an elderly parent, someone may be a little bit more scared than you are. Perhaps someone, Rahman al-Latsan, lost a family member to COVID and therefore always pay attention to that. Don't show up at a, someone's door without a mask, right? recognize that we have to be kind to each other. I also just want to use COVID as a springboard to rec recognize that communication is really the key. Someone had called and told me, I can't believe her parents didn't answer the door. They probably don't, you know, really like me. I've come three times already. When I spoke to the parents, they were like, they were trying to be so kind and cautious because of COVID. They didn't want to get too close. So they thought it was smarter not to come to the door. So I recommend communication. Really, you have to talk it out. Recognize that everyone really, as long as you go that extra mile to be kind and to be dan l'chav zuchot, it'll be great. Rabbi Willig, somebody asked... Um... Do you have any recommendations if you have two children dating at the same time? Multiple children from the same family want to date. Should there be an order? Or This question I can't answer from personal experience. Okay. We're in this situation for significant uh, periods of time. More than one child is going out. And, you know, Things worked out the way they worked out. We never stopped the child from going out because of any other sibling was quote in the parsha. Uh, we, at one point in time, we had actually a, a bit of a backup. We had uh, Hashem bless us with three engagements in a row, and we had just uh, get everything in order, and it worked out. It worked out. It was a, a you know a little bit of a question of you know how things would go in what order and and at what speed but um it worked out i do not believe that anyone should be kept back from dating because of a, of another sibling older younger boy girl 
that everyone who wants to go out should be given the opportunity to go out with a parental blessing. I just ask from a therapist perspective, because I have had singles. I agree 100% with every Willick. Um, not that I need to agree. <laughs> it stands on its own. But um, I, I, but from a psychological perspective, I've had singles where their younger siblings um, were dating before them, especially if it's a little bit more of a yeshiva circle. Um, I do think that communication, again, is key. Um, a couple of them told me they would have just appreciated it if their younger sibling like had a direct conversation. Like, I know it's probably hard for you or annoying for you, or I'm so sorry, I wish you had found the right one, but I'm just going to get started, etc. In some cases, they were kind of hiding, like getting dressed in another room so the other person doesn't see them, going to meet them somewhere else. And that actually hurt much more. Uh, like with a lot of things in life, it's like if someone's having difficulty, you know, getting pregnant and then their friend doesn't tell them they're pregnant, it just feels weird. So I think direct communication is important. My son is looking for Miss Perfect and always turns down dates, doesn't feel that he should give anything a second try. Do you have any recommendations for him? Mindy, maybe you'll also speak about it after, but first let's hear from Dr. Adler. Well, I, I think we can all understand that probably we just want to kind of like bop them on the head and say like, yeah, with the program, <laughs> you're not perfect. No one is. Um, but as, as we've all been saying in, in multiple um, ways, lecturing and, pressuring, and pressurizing our adult children, actually lecturing and pressurizing any age child um, usually backfires. So they kind of like dig in their heels and have to prove that we're wrong um, or they resent us or they just stop talking to us as much as we'd like. Um, so what I suggest as a starting point is that we have, again, a collaborative conversation, um, and you may need to have a few conversations like that over time. Collaborative means warm, respectful, non-judgmental, uh, practice removing intensity from our voice, removing tension from our voice, and just kind of say what we notice. You know, honey, it seems like, um, you know, so far the last like six months, like nobody has been a second date, a third date. Um, and, you know, I'm kind of wondering, do you think like something's going wrong here? Is something going wrong with who we're giving you? Something going wrong maybe with how you're approaching it? Like, what do you think? In a, in a really nice way. Sometimes kids will surprise you and they actually have thought about it. And if you ask it a nice enough way with giving enough space, they will tell you. Um, sometimes it is actually something logical and it's not that they're being perfectionistic. That's how we perceive it. Sometimes they will say something that actually makes sense and you just kind of need a paradigm shift. So sometimes they might say like, I don't know, Ma, like they're all just so type A, all these women nowadays. And then if you think about it, you realize, oh, my kid's smart. I've been setting them up with, you know, the valedictorian and the this and the that. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but come to think of it, their best friend is really a very easygoing type. Maybe that's what he needs. I'm setting him off with the wrong pool of people. Or maybe they'll say like they're all so far front and pressurizing or they're this or they're that. And you realize like you just need to change the pool and then they will actually start going on, on more dates. <laughs> um, so sometimes it's just that. But if it's not just that, I think you can very kindly um, and gently suggest. I am kind of wondering, you know, maybe it's hard to look past flaws, maybe harder for you than some of your siblings. If that's something that might we maybe we should look at or maybe there's a block you know, I, whatever it is. And if they're not receptive to that, you can say, you know, maybe think about it. I'd be happy to pay for a little bit of coaching or counseling, or maybe you want to talk to your Rebbe, see what he thinks. If your child is receptive to input and they say, I don't know, maybe I do have something, you know, um, or you feel like there's room to say something. The three things that I usually recommend, but they have to be said so nicely, 
um, are one, it's important to remember in relationships that, you know, we all know this, but people are a package deal. We're not really looking for somebody without flaws. We're looking for somebody with flaws that we can deal with and we can accept because we're so excited about all their good qualities that it makes it worth it. Um, and we hope they feel the same way about us. Um, it's also helpful to use the analogy of like, kind of like an onion, like people are like onions and we have a lot of layers and it could be on a first or second date, we only see the outside layer and it's kind of okay-ish, <laughs> but there's maybe like wow layers underneath. And so maybe, you know, if you went on a second, third, fourth date, even if it's just to humor me sometimes, maybe we would see the other layers. And the other thing that I, we can remind people is that emotional connection and sometimes also chemistry, they grow in, with time for a lot of people. It's not always on the first or second date, and it can still be wonderful and amazing when you get there. And we should also reassure our children if we want them to be more open to, to dating, uh, to going on a few dates or saying yes to more resumes, um, they can be afraid that we want them to settle, whatever that means. Um, I think it's important to reassure them that we are not suggesting they settle in who they marry. What we're suggesting is that they give things a little more time to develop because there might be somebody super sparkly amazing that you just don't see it in the first couple hours of getting to know them or from the resume. And, and again, if that doesn't move it along, we can recommend professional help. We can recommend they talk to a wonderful shadchan. We can dive in. We can also accept that they might not be ready <laughs> to adjust their expectations and that's okay. So time will show them that they, you know, they might need to adjust them. And also, I know it's hard to believe, but occasionally and sometimes, and even with some people I know well and love in my own family, they really just haven't met the right person yet. There are many people who get married at a slightly older age or very much older age and they marry absolutely amazing, wonderful people. And once you see them together, you realize that, oh, Maybe they weren't being picky. They just had very specific needs and, and they got it. So we have to remember not to be overly judgmental. <laughs> okay, great. Okay. And then I guess the last question I would say, um, maybe somebody posted it on the chat. Maybe I don't know if you want, or I don't know if everybody really wants to comment. it. When a girl says that she wants someone who dives with a minion regularly, Although my son dives three times a day, but I'm noticing that I can't say that he's always going to Minion. Does that have to be disclosed before the first date? So I don't know, Lindsay, Rabbi Willing. I will defer to Rabbi Willing. Thank you. Um, <laughs> one is not supposed to lie. We don't lie. Lying is just unhealthy. Unhealthy. Uh, at the same time, we're not required to say everything at the very beginning. Before, before any any uh, dates have even started, this is a a much broader question. Uh, not going to million every day is just the tip of the iceberg. There are many more significant uh, issues that either do need or do not need to be disclosed before things get started. Uh, from my perspective, there are very few things that need to be disclosed before you get started. I'm not saying you should lie if you ask the question pointedly. You can be evasive, and if you're evasive, so the, part, the, the the one on the other side of the phone or communication may very well sense that you're being evasive and will walk away. So be it. But uh, you know, you, it doesn't matter. You you should not be uh, letting your laundry, if it's dirty or just even a tiny bit dirty, with a little speck on it, to be hung up and hung out in public to anyone any yento calls you up. So that's why it's just, just it's just not right. It's not right to your children. So you do not 
have to say anything in most situations at the beginning. If, you know, whatever their question and, and the answer that you give them is not what they're looking for, so you can't give them a, a false answer. You give them an, an evasive answer. If they feel so strongly about it, they may walk away. And if not, there are other redeeming factors. They will not necessarily walk away. This is just going to Minyan every day is a small example. There are much, much more significant uh, issues about disclosure versus non-disclosure. And it's such an important part of the, of the shit of process. It can be taken to an extreme, as we well know, all the checking, etc. But uh, there, is a, there is a balance that has to be struck. If there's a significant issue from the perspective of a balanced person, and not everyone has the same sense of balance, even if they're generally balanced, it should be disclosed from the beginning. Hiding things which will cause problems down the road is still be unwise. Unwise, it's unwarranted, it's wrong, it's morally wrong, it's ethically wrong, it's halakhically wrong, and it's even it's just not wise. If something of a, a major issue exists, the proper thing is to uh, be upfront about it. Uh, but not going to minion every day, to my mind, does not at all rise to that level. Uh, the person who usually goes to, goes to minion. So you just, if the other minion every three times a day, you say, he, he, he goes to minion, you know, he generally speaking, goes to minion. I can't say, I can't say he never missed a minion. Mm-hmm. Now, that may be an understatement. He may be missing many minyan, but it's not a lie. I can't say never misses a minion. So that 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 can be said. I I, I think what Rabbi Willick said was terrific. Um, I will just say that um, what many, especially households that have all girls, many of the girls are not aware that it's it's difficult sometimes for. Um, men to go to Minyan three times a day, every single day, 365 days out of the year. Um, and that perhaps even though their father goes to Minyan three times a day and does Dafyomi and has a Chavrusa, perhaps when he was in his 20s, that was his ideal and he was trying and he's growth oriented. But once in a while, uh, due to um, an exam or due to uh, a client, because he wasn't a partner, he may not have been able to work his schedule as such. Um, and perhaps, you know, girls have to be made aware by their moms or by their fathers, you know, that uh, it, it isn't always so smooth and they should be a little bit kind and not judgmental in that regard. Okay, great. Okay, so one last question that I, um, I'm just going to post to myself because a few parents mentioned it. And they were, you know, some parents of girls or women wrote in the chat things like, what are we doing or what are the Rabbanim doing or what are matchmakers doing in order to help there be an, not to be such an imbalance or the fact that the boys have an upper hand or that sometimes, sometimes one of the parents wrote that, you know, the boy didn't treat her 100% properly or he didn't buy her a drink or he met her here or he didn't do everything the way, let's say, Rabbi Willard would say in terms of menschlichkeit. So my answer to that is that I know for sure in the office, Mindy is on the same page with me, is that we definitely try. We give them the guidance, the coaching, even sometimes the gentle muster to both sides. When a girl or a young woman on a date doesn't give a boy a chance, we also say to her, are you sure, you know, you really should give it another try. 
we are trying as hard as we can to really infuse the right values and to try to teach mental height and to make sure that everyone's doing their part. But we also ask parents that there's, we could use your partnership with this. Sometimes it's not just us telling them, but sometimes, you know, if my son wasn't going on a date, I would say, as he walked out, I just want to make sure that you're able, you know, you know where you're going or you're not going to drop her off unsafely or you're not going to, or you're going to make sure she has a drink and same thing to a daughter, whatever it is that you're saying to a daughter. But I would definitely say in the YU world, the Rabbanim are definitely teaching fight on the highest caliber, especially when they're asked. Um, but it's sometimes it's a culture and sometimes because people have too many dates or less dates, it's not always coming out the way we want it, but we can definitely use parent involvement in, you know, saying the same things and it should just and the last thing I would add also is that sometimes we get calls from parents saying things like I have a daughter in Shaduchim I have a son in Shaduchim but I, I'm not going to tell you about my son I'm only going to tell you about my daughter because my son has such a long list that you know I don't want you to go near his son those kinds of examples don't help the imbalance and they don't help us as Shadchanim to help both sides. Like we want to help your daughters and we want to help your sons. So I would say that Mindy, Mindy gets those calls often and we work so hard together. Baruch Hashem today was our 449th Shadach. We're almost up to 450. Please take a moment if you haven't donated to donate for the Rafuashalema of Rabbi Berg and to email us questions for future panels because Mirza Hashem, we have so many more questions to address, God willing, in the future. So really thank you for joining us.